be a righteous man in this world. This morning, we're going to be focusing on someone. Um, there we will soon find a comparison between the righteous and the wicked. It's easy, the righteous and the wicked. And if we keep reading the book of the Psalm, uh, again and again, we'll always find these two basic topics uh, between the righteous and between the, the wicked, between living with God in the world that He created uh, as opposed to living without Him. So the righteous and the wicked. And this is exactly what someone showed us. Uh, take a look in verse uh, 1 on your Bible. Uh, there we find these words. Uh, Blessed is the man who walks uh, not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now, let us pause and think about the word there, blessed. Um, we know that word very well, don't we? Um, it, it's a good, it's a positive word, uh, yet often uh, people misuse the word. Uh, I went to Twitter this week as I prepared the sermon and searched for hashtag blessed. Uh, and these are some of the posts uh, people tweeted. Will it be on the screen? No. No, it's not. All right, there you go. The first one, uh, OMG, uh, I got a car, seriously living the dream. Hashtag blessed. Uh, how about this one? Uh, today I got promoted to senior office manager. Uh, this feeling is incredible. Hashtag blessed. Here's the last one, uh, got accepted into uni. Hashtag blessed. You see, my friends, almost always, People in this world associate a blessing with happiness, with, with success. Or when we, when we receive something good in life, uh, they, they will call it blessing. Or I am blessed. Well, it's partly right, but it's, it's, it's not always the case, isn't it? Because when the Bible uses the word bless, it's not just about being happy. It's not just about being happy, but more than that, it's, it's about having joy, a deep contentment that's coming from the Lord Himself. It's about having joy. Even when you haven't received so-called good things in life, you still can be happy. Why? Because you find joy in Him. You find joy in the God of our Creator. And so we cannot talk about being blessed without talking about God as the source of our blessing. Yes, you know, people might have a lot of things that uh, they consider as blessings, but without God, they're not truly blessed. But if God is on your side, you are truly blessed. And this is exactly the, the man that is described in verse 1. We are told this man is blessed when he doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, doesn't stand in the way of sinners, doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. The bottom line is that this man doesn't live a lifestyle of people who are against God. This man is, is so different. How is he different? Here's the answer. Instead of living according to the lifestyle of the wicked people, this man is living by delighting in the law of the Lord. That is a true blessing, brothers and sisters. Now, when we talk about the uh, law of the Lord, uh, here is, is, of course, more than just uh, the Ten uh, Commandments. It's the Word of God in written form. It's the instructions uh, that God gave for His people uh, to live in this world. 
And so he is this man delighting in the word of God. He is this man, uh, when, when this man comes to a scripture, it's not for the sake of religious activity. It's not because, oh, I've done my Bible reading for the year, I've finished all the book. Uh, it's not just to fill up uh, your brain with the knowledge of God. It's not just a checklist, you know, sometimes I often uh, hear Christians say, you know, I finished reading my Bible, which is good. Um, tick, I've done that. It's not just that, but he comes with a delightful heart. He, he's taking pleasure and finding happiness in the Word of God. This man knows that the source of true happiness, the source of true joy, can only be found in the Word of God. So much so that this man, when he comes to scripture, he meditates the word of God day and night. Of course, uh, it doesn't mean that he spends uh, 24 hours uh, day and night um, to meditate, to reflect, or to think about the word of God. I don't think uh, that's possible. Um, but day and night is pointing to the whole life of being human. The day and night is pointing to the whole life of being human. That is, his whole life is being shaped by the Word of God. That is, he continues to, to let his mind and, and heart to, change, to be changed by the Word. The Word of God is the center of everything that he is. It shapes his mind and, and, and heart. He will not let the mindset of, of the ideas of this world to shape him. I mean, brothers and sisters, we know really well, don't we? It's very easy for our hearts and our minds to be shaped by this world. People believe what other people believe and do whatever other people do without thinking about God. You know, as long they feel good about it and then it must be true. Just follow your heart. That's what often people say to you. Just follow your heart. But the truth is, our minds and our hearts are broken by sin. What we think is right is it's not always right. Let me give you two quick examples uh, how easy our minds can easily deceive us. Money and sex. Now, these are good things from God. But our minds can be deceitful as we think about these two things. Money, for example, uh, what the world uh, teaches us is, you know, have a lot of money and buy uh, whatever you want. The more money you have, the more comfort and pleasure you can buy. Now, this morning, uh, I'm not saying money is wrong, uh, but it can be wrong when we value money above God, when we pursue money sinfully without acknowledging God as the source of everything. But instead, we need to consider what, what God says through His Word about money. 1 Timothy 6, for example, it says, if we have food and clothing, we should be content with that. Uh, people uh, who want to get rich fall into temptation and have moved away from their faith. Second topic, how about sex? What the world uh, tells us, you know, you are a sexual being, so you need to express your sexual desires however you like with whoever you like. 
Otherwise, you're not a fully human. You're not a fully human if you don't express that sexual desires. And so many people are buying into that. They're seeking pleasures from pornography, jumping from one bed to another bed, from one partner to another partner just to express their sexual desires. Now, sex, again, is a good gift of God, but it can be wrong when we pursue it outside what God has ordained. And the Bible is clear in 1 Corinthians 7, for example, that sex is to be enjoyed in the context of marriage between one husband and one wife. And also Christians, all of us are equal before the Lord. You're not a better Christian if you are married, and definitely not a worse Christian if, you're not if you are unmarried. Your identity is grounded in, in the, not in the relationship with one another, but in the relationship with God through Jesus. So we always need to consider the Word of God. And so it's very easy to believe what the world says to our minds, says to our hearts. That's why we need the Word of God to guide our minds and our hearts. We need the Word of God to shape our lives. Don't just believe what people say. Don't just believe what I say or even Pastor Iggy say. Always come to Scripture. So that's what verses 2, uh, 1 and 2 define. There are two ways of life. You're either uh, living a life shaped by the wicked, uh, the sinners and the mockers, or, or the way that, that is shaped by the Word of God. Then the writer continues to describe what does it look like for a man who chooses the way shaped by the Word of God. Have a look in verse 3 there. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water, uh, that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. But not with the people who, who chooses the way shaped by the counsel of wicked. In verse 4, we are told that they are like chaff, that the wind drives away. I mean, this morning, you don't need to be a, a, a botanical uh, expert to know that there's a big difference between a tree and a chaff. You don't need to be an expert on that. And this, this is what the writers wants us to see. There's a, a big difference between the righteous and, and the wicked, between life and between destruction, between what is permanent and what is temporary, between the, the long-lasting life and, and the brief uh, short of life. A man who chooses the way shaped by the word of God, he's like a tree planted by the streams of water. That is, this tree is alive and will always be alive because it keeps receiving water from the river. It bears fruit in its season. The leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers, as we are told there. On the other side, we have the wicked. We are told there, uh, they're like chaff. It's the outer shell of the rice or corn, the husk of the corn. And, and you know, you, you don't want to eat uh, chaff, will you? Uh, the chaff is light that the wind uh, blows uh, away easily. And they also, they don't need water because they're dead, basically. They can't bear fruit. They're pretty much useless. That's what the wicked looks like. But the writer doesn't stop in just describing the difference between the wicked and the righteous, uh, between the way of the wicked and the way of the righteous. 
he continues in verses 5 and 6, showing us really the ultimate destinations of these two ways. It says there, uh, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the, the wicked will perish. Now in verse 5, uh, you see the writer change from a singular pronoun of a righteous man to be plural. And so we're not talking about the righteous man anymore from verse 1 to 4. Instead, we're talking about the gathering of righteous people. And these people are able to stand before God because God knows them. God knows their way, the righteous people. Or they are known by God. And they are truly blessed by God eternally, like a tree planted by the streams of water. But on the other hand, the wicked people will not stand in the judgment, the judgment of God. They won't be able to stand before Him, before the gathering of the righteous people. They will perish because God is not on their side. Now, perhaps I can close the sermon this morning by, by saying, you know, there you go, uh, two ways of life, uh, two definitions, two descriptions, and two destinations. You know, go home, uh, have lunch, and reflect on which way of life is yours. But it's not as simple as that, is it? Someone is only showing us two ways of life. But it doesn't really tell us how we can be in the way of the righteous. It doesn't tell us as opposed to, 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 to the way of the wicked. It doesn't tell us. Now, let, let us think about someone in the connection of the rest of the Bible that, that we believe is, is a God a story, a one big plan uh, of story of God to, to redeem His people. And as, as I read this psalm, I always wonder if I can find anyone in the Old Testament who might fit the description of the man in Psalm 1. And, and I have found a similar description. Uh, it's what King David, if you know King David, is very popular, uh, the king of Israel. This is what King David wants his son to be like. So on his deathbed, this is what uh, King David said to Solomon in uh, 1 uh, King, chapter 2, 1 to 3. It will be up on the screen, hopefully. Sorry about the color. Um, so 1 Kings, chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. When David's time to, to die drew, drew near, he commanded Solomon, uh, his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. Keep the charge of the Lord your God. Here's the key. Walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies. As it is written in the law of Moses. Here's another key that you may prosper in all that you do. That you may prosper in all that you do. Now, as we heard what King David said there, can we say David was telling his son Solomon to be the man of someone, to be the kind of king or, or the kind of leader like that man? In other words, this man in someone is an ideal figure of a king of Israel, a leader who is supposed to, to lead God's people to be righteous people. But what happens in the history of Israel, uh, David uh, and Solomon, 
And all the kings in the Old Testament, uh, none of them turns out to be the man of someone. Instead of walking in the love of the Lord, many kings of Israel walking in the way of the wicked. You know, even when they walk in the right way, they, they don't do it uh, consistently. Uh, they still failed. And so none of them can lead God's people to become righteous people. In fact, if you know your history, uh, God's judgments came upon to that nation. They were split into two, uh, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And in the end, they both were thrown into exiles. And so people of God had been waiting and waiting for, for a kind of king who can lead them to become a righteous people. Thankfully, in the New Testament, we finally meet Jesus, the king, the leader, the man of someone. He is the only righteous person who can bring people to be righteous. Friends, people can do right things, you know, but they are not righteous. You know, I remember uh, one time Jesus even says to the Pharisees that they are the wicked. Some people might think that the Pharisees, these are the, the religious people. Uh, they, they might think, you know, these people are righteous people. They, they follow law anyway. How can not, they not be a, a righteous people? But before the Lord, they are the wicked. That's what Jesus says. Because Jesus knows deep down of their heart. When Jesus comes into this world, not for people who think they are righteous, but he comes for sinners to repent. That is his mission. 1 Peter 3 verse 18 says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he, Jesus, might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Friends, Jesus is the man of someone. He is the righteous, and he died for the unrighteous people. He died for you and for me, the sinners, the mockers, the wicked, so that he might bring us to God, to bring us into the gathering of the righteous people. Jesus died and rose again, so whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life like a tree planted by the streams of water. Someone is not like a moral story. It's not a moral story which tell, tell us you know, how we can walk in the righteous way. Because without Jesus, we will never know the way which lead to God. People can work hard, doing good things, coming to church, reading the Bible. But without Jesus, we will never be able to stand in God's judgment. And so this morning, if Jesus, as we see, is the fulfillment of the man in someone, then it is true that there are only two ways of life. You're not standing in the crossroad to decide which way you should choose. You're either in the right way or in the wrong way. You either believe in Jesus as a righteous man, as a righteous 
person who died for you or you reject him and, and keep following whatever you want. If you haven't received Jesus, I want you to consider this. Maybe you've been coming to church many, many years. Maybe you grew up in Christian family. Um, you might think that you're a Christian. But think about what will you do when you die? When you have to face to fa- face, to face your, your God, the Creator, to face God's judgment. Will you trust in your performance? That the fact that you grew up in Christian family or you've been coming to church? Or would you trust in Jesus alone? Can you really stand before God on that final day? If you haven't embraced Jesus, it's, it's like uh, having a GPS you know, installed in your, in your heart. Uh, and it always leads you to a destruction, no matter what happened. It doesn't matter how you live your life. Whatever you choose in life, whether you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, whether you earn a lot of money or not so much, whether you're single or not, whether you have kids or not, it doesn't really matter because the GPS in your heart will always take you to the judgment of God in the last day unless you believe and repent of your sins unless you embrace Jesus as your Savior. So if you haven't put your trust in Jesus, please, please consider uh, Him this morning. Uh, you know, talk to your Christian friends uh, who brought you along. Talk to Iggy, uh, leaders in this church. Um, or if you don't know who uh, Jesus really is, uh, why don't you sign up to our Life Explored uh, course that will start, I think, next week. It will be a great way for you to think about Jesus. Now, this morning, uh, to some of you, uh, most of you, I I guess, if you have received Jesus, we praise God for that. God has changed your heart so that you are walking in the right way, not not because of your performance, not because you're good enough, but because of Jesus. But this doesn't mean that you can live whatever you like. Thinking that, you you know, Jesus will save me anyway, I'll be fine. Friends, our good works are not the reason of being saved. Of course, we know that. But they are the evidence of being saved. As Christians, we must pursue godly living. We must kill sins. We should grow in our faith. We should should serve God and serve others. We should do good works, not because we want to be saved, but because we have been saved. So it, it really matters how we live our life as Christians. And I know it's not easy as we uh, pursue uh, to live a godly life. Um, we will face uh, either persecution or suffering. You know, some of your friends might mock you. You might not get a promotion at work because of your faith, because just because you're Christians. It's a lot harder for you to get a promotion. You might have to uh, lose a lot of friendships, all these cool friends that you have to actually uh, give away. But that's normal. That's normal. In fact, it's actually a good thing that we all suffer. It shows that we are really in the process. 
to be more godly every single day of our life. But we know it well also. Many times, we will still fail. No matter how hard we try, we will fail. We fail to be more godly. We fail to love God and to love others. We hurt one another with our words, with our actions. We got upset easily with our family, with our partners. And no matter how hard we try, nothing seems to change. We keep falling into the same sin over and over again. But let me assure you this morning, friends, if you have Jesus, if you really, really have Jesus, you have the assurance. It's like a GPS, you know GPS again. Um, you know, with GPS, you may, you may take a wrong turns in, in, uh, in your journey. Uh, the journey might seem a, a bit long, a bit boring, because you take wrong turns. But GPS, uh, it's, it's smart enough, it's powerful enough to recalibrate the way to your dis- destinations, isn't it? In a similar way, uh, in our Christian life, sometimes we fail and fail again as we pursue godliness. Sometimes we think, you know, we've taken the wrong uh, option, you know, the wrong turn in life. You know, I've done so many mistakes. We think we are losers. We think we're not worthy even to come to church, even to hear the word of God. We feel unworthy. We we feel helpless. We think, you know, God will not accept me uh, anymore. Now, let me encourage you this morning. If you are truly a Christian, then your destinations in heaven is secured. You will make it there not because you're good enough. You'll make it there precisely because you're not good enough. Precisely because you're not good enough that Jesus had to take your place to die on that cross. Because you're not good enough. I'm not good enough. None of us good enough. So whoever believes in Jesus will not perish. And nothing will be able to separate us from him that is the promise of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, you're not a chaff. That wind blows away, but you are a tree planted by the streams of water. I'll pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that through him we can come before you. In your mercy and kindness, you have brought us into your family. We have become like a tree planted by the streams of waters. We thank you for the grace you have given us. But Lord, this morning, remind us not to abuse that grace. Lord, this morning, teach us to grow in our godliness. As we relate to one another, teach us to love God. Teach us to to love others, to love our family. We know it's not easy as as we sin, as we see our own selfishness, as we see our own sinfulness, and also as we live in this broken world. And so please help us, Lord, this morning. 
please help us by your Holy Spirit. We also pray that many people will come to know Jesus the right way to God. Please use us uh, as a tool uh, to proclaim Jesus to our neighbors, to our friends, to our families who have not yet believed in Jesus. So please use us, Lord. Please use this church in whatever ways you want. Please, uh, please, please be with the leaders, please, with uh, Pastor Iggy uh, as he uh, casts out the vision uh, for the sake of the gospel. So we pray that, that many people will come to to know Jesus more and more. So we ask this prayer in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.